احنا هنبتدي الاول بالانجليزي وبعد كده هعيد بالعربي فيعني اللي هيسمع بالانجليزي ما تتضايقوش هنعيد بعد كده كل الموضوع بالعربي In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Tonight, through the grace of God, we will start studying the first letter of St. Paul to Thessaloniki. Thessalonica now is in Greece, in Greece. And as introduction to this letter, the authorship, it is St. Paul. St. Paul is the author of this letter. But in the first verse, he mentioned also with him Silvanus and Timothy. Silvanus is Silas. Why he mentioned them as co-authors of the letter? Because actually, they participated with him in establishing this church as we read in Acts chapter 17 from verse 1 to 9. The background is St. Paul with Silvanus and Timothy started preaching in Thessaloniki. Then the Gentiles were stirred up against them. That's why St. Paul decided, based on the instruction and advice of many people, to leave Thessaloniki abruptly. And actually, they left Thessaloniki to be raised. And after this, when Timothy joined them in Athens, St. Paul wanted to know how the believers in Thessaloniki are doing. That's why he sent Timothy to them from Athens in order to check on their condition and to see how they are doing, especially during the time of hardship, affliction, persecution. Timothy actually, when he went to Thessaloniki, saw that they were so strong in their faith. So he brought this good news back to uh, uh, St. Paul. And St. Paul was happy to hear this news about the people in Thessaloniki. So he wrote the letter, the first letter to them, in order to support them 
to encourage them to be steadfast in their faith. Also, to praise them for their endurance and for, for their maintenance uh, uh, of their faith. And to give them hope and encouragement by speaking to them about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and to comfort them for those who were killed by persecution or who were martyred by the persecution to comfort them that they are in a better place. And he sent this letter from Corinth, when he was Corinth. That's why this letter was dated between 50, 51 or 52 AD. 50 or 51 or 52 AD, while St. Paul was in his second missionary trip in Corinth. In his second missionary trip in Corinth. And actually, all the scholars of the Bible say that this letter is the first letter of St. Paul. The first letter that St. Paul writes is the first letter to Thessalonians. And also they say this is actually the first book that's written in the New Testament. The first book that's written in the New Testament is First Thessalonians. The theme of this letter is holiness in view of Christ's coming. When you know that Christ is coming, how we conduct our life in a holy way. How to live a holy life because to prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ. So in other terms we can say to live a holy life as a preparation for eternal life. As I told you the purpose of this letter, number one, to praise them for their steadfastness in faith and endurance of persecution. As I told you, they endured persecution and they were steadfast. So he sent them a word of encouragement and praise. Also to comfort them regarding the martyrs and the departed and to correct any misunderstanding regarding the second coming of Christ. And actually he will address the issue of rapture. And this issue has to be corrected because nowadays many people uh, teach rapture in a wrong way, non-biblical way. And we will speak about it when we speak about chapter 4. The third uh, purpose is to instruct them how to live a holy life worthy of their calling. How to live a holy life worthy of their calling. As I told you the background, this church was formed in 50 AD during St. Paul's second missionary trip. And this church was composed mainly of Gentiles mainly of Gentiles, and they, were, they experienced actually persecution from their fellow citizens, not from the Jews, but from the Gentiles. Yes, it was the Jews who stirred up the Gentiles, but they endured persecution from their fellow citizens. And after his abrupt departure from Thessaloniki, 
St. Paul sent Timothy in order to check on them and to confirm uh, them in their faith. And after the return of Timothy and bringing the good report about them, St. Paul sent this letter to them in order to encourage and support them. This was like introduction uh, about the letter in order to understand why this letter was written. Chapter 1 actually is introduction to all the letter and it's very small. It's only 10 verses. Chapter 1 is only 10 verses. Verse 1, it is salutation. Verse 2 to 4, thanksgiving for their faith, hope and love. Verse 5 to 7, how they received the gospel, the word of Christ. And verse 8 to 10, how the reputation is in every place. So we actually, this chapter, we will divide it into uh, uh, four passages. Salutation, verse 1, thanksgiving for their faith, hope, and love, 2 to 4. Uh, their reception of the gospel, verse 5 to 7, and their reputation in every place, verse 8 to 10. Let's read the first verse. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As it is the custom in all his letter, St. Paul, the first verse of his letter, his letters, mention who he is sending this letter and to whom, with the exception of Hebrews. He didn't use this style. So, St. Paul said it was Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Silvanus is Silas. He mentions them because they participated with him in preaching and establishing the church in Thessaloniki. And this letter is addressed to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Why he said in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? Because any church is founded in God and in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation is a cornerstone. Any church is founded in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why St. Paul is reminding them, this is the church of God, then you are his people, you are his children, you are his bride. And then he gave them this blessing by saying, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If the church is founded in God and in his son Jesus Christ, then it is from God the Father and his son Jesus Christ we receive the grace and we receive the peace. And if you think about it, these are the most needed gifts to any believer. Any believer needs the grace and needs the peace. Why? The grace simply because we cannot do anything in our life without God. 
We cannot achieve anything without God. That's why we need His grace to be with us all the time. Because of His grace, we can accomplish. Because of His grace, we can be saved. Because of His grace, we can uh, be prosperous in our life. And what about the peace? We are living in a stormy world. What do I mean by this? Our world is full of hardship, persecution, storms. That's why we need the peace of God that surpasses all understanding in order to keep our heart and mind in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why St. Paul usually, he uh, gives grace and peace from God to the people because these are the most needed gifts for any believer. I like that when we pray for ourselves and we pray for our children, let us pray that God give them grace and peace. Everybody needs these two gifts. Then let's read from verse 2 to 4. We give thanks to God always for you, for you all, making mention of you and our prayers. As I told you, Timothy returned with good report about how the Thessalonians were steadfast in their faith. Although there were, was hardship, there were hardships and persecution, but they was confirmed in their faith. And what do you think makes the heart of a pastor or a priest or a bishop rejoices? When he sees that his children are confirmed in the faith. When he sees that his children growing in their spiritual life. When he sees that his children living and conducting a holy life. That's what makes the heart of the pastor rejoices. So actually, when St. Paul heard this news about the people in Thessaloniki, he was very happy, very joyful to hear this news about them. What did he do? He gave thanks to God. It's not his effort, but it is the grace of God that helped them to be steadfast in the midst of persecution. That's why he said, we give thanks to God always for you. We give thanks to God because he supported you. Because with his grace, he supported you during this hard time. And with his peace, he gave you joy during the time of affliction and hardships. As we are going to read now, they received the word of God with in affliction but with joy. Because the peace of God was inside them. So he gave thanks to God who protected them and confirmed them in the faith. All was for you, making mention of you in our prayers. Actually, the word priest means intercessor. The right or the proper place of the priest is the altar. Praying for his people. That's why St. Paul is saying, making mentioning of you in our prayers without ceasing, remembering you without ceasing. So, if you are Sunday school servant, if you are parent, if we are priests or bishops, we should not stop or cease from praying for our people. Samuel the prophet said, but as for me, 
far be it for, for me to sin against God and cease to pray for you. Samuel as a priest understood that if he ceased to pray for his people, this is sin against God. Because it, that is our place to pray for the people. He said to them, making mentioning, making mention of you in our prayer. So the true pastor always prays for his flock. And the steadfastness of the flock, when they are confirmed in their faith, when they endure hardships for the word of the gospel, this makes the heart of the pastor rejoices. And thus, his prayer will flow with thanksgiving for them. Verse 3, remembering without ceasing, remembering without ceasing, your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. St. Paul is saying all the time without ceasing, we remember the three main virtues. What are these three main virtues? Joy, sorry, love, hope, and faith. But St. Paul actually, he added a word for every virtue. He said the work of faith, the labor of love, the patience of hope. And if you think about it, there is no faith without works. As St. James said, faith without works is dead. He said actually, works for the faith is like a spirit to the body. So if we remove the works from faith, then the faith is dead. That's why St. Paul said, we remember the work of your faith. You cannot say, I have faith without works. Show me your faith by your works. So faith is demonstrated by what? By works. And what about love? He said, the labor of love. Labor of love. As St. John said, love is not by words and tongue. I cannot just say, I love you, and that's it. Love has to be demonstrated by what? By labor. When you labor and make an effort for others. So that is the true love. So again, show me your love by your labor, not by your words. As they say, action speak louder. Actions speak louder. Maybe you will not say, I love you, but I can, I can see it in your action. Many people say, we love, but their action does not reflect this. So faith is demonstrated by work. Love demonstrated by uh, labor. What about hope? He said, the patience of hope. If, if, if you have hope, you will be patient. You will wait until this hope is fulfilled. So actually, hope is demonstrated by patience. What makes, you know, an ill person who is taking medicine wait and, and take the medicine and endure like surgery, it is the hope of recovery and healing. So hope is demonstrated by patience. So when we speak about these three virtues, we need actually to mention them as St. Paul mentioned. The work of faith, 
the labor of love and the patience of who? Again, the work of faith, the labor of love and the patience of hope. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love and patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's St. Paul actually introducing to us a very important concept. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many people say, you know what? I cannot overcome this sin. Or I have no hope that you know our family conflict will be resolved. I have no hope in my son that one day he will repent and return back to God. I will say to him, yes, I agree with you. You cannot have hope in yourself or in your family or in your son. Because our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in ourselves. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who can actually change our heart. He can transform our life. He is the hope of the hopeless and the help of the helpless, as we say in the uh, uh, litany of the sick. Litany of the sick. The hope of the hopeless and the help of the helpless. So he said, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In the sight of our God and Father. What does it mean in the sight of our God the Father? This work of faith, this labor of love, this patience of hope is not before men, but it is God. So it is God actually who is bearing witness. It's not men who are bearing witness. They, they are doing this before God. Many people actually can praise us. But the most important question, what God says about me? Does God see my faith working? Does God see the labor of my love? Does God see the patience of my hope? That's why he told them in the sight of our God and Father. So these three virtues were demonstrated before God, not men. Verse 4, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. So, he is saying that you, my beloved brethren, and here St. Paul demonstrates the, uh, the relation between, how the relation between a pastor and his flock should be. He's addressing again beloved brethren. So they are his brethren, and not only brethren, but the beloved brethren. That is the bond of love that unites all of us together. He's telling them, knowing your election, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. What does it mean, election? This is actually uh, a, lesson, a lesson in theology, the election. Did God choose some people and appointed them only to be his people? What he meant by the election of God, knowing the election of God? Actually, St. Paul answered this question in his letter to Romans chapter 8. The election of God is based on what? On his foreknowledge. God in his foreknowledge, he foreknew those who will accept him, those who will believe in him, and those God actually elected them to be his people. Why in the Old Testament God 
elected Abraham because he was the only one who accepted God and remained faithful to God. Why God elected Moses? Why God elected Elijah? Why God elected Elisha? All these people because they were faithful to God. So actually, it is your choice to be from among the elected one or not. If you accepted God and you become faithful to him, you are from the elected people. And when you know that you are elected, elected for what? Elected to inherit the kingdom of God. Elected to be in his uh, inheritance. Elected to be saved. When you know this election, then this will motivate you to grow in the virtues of love, hope, and faith. All of us are elected. But the question, do we make our election permanent or not? That is an important question. So, in these two verses, or three verses, St. Paul gives thanks to God uh, for their actually their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope. From verse 5, he spoke about how they preached the gospel and actually how they received the gospel. So here he gave us a lesson how we preach the gospel, how we should preach the gospel, and how people should receive the word of God. And he gave us actually five points in preaching the gospel. And I hope that every Sunday school servant, every priest, should keep these five points when we preach the word of God. What are the five points? Let's read verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So actually St. Paul spoke about five points here. Preaching the word, preaching it with power, preaching it in the Holy Spirit, preaching it with must, much assurance, preaching it with a proper attitude. When he said, for as you know, what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So again, preaching the word, preaching the word with power, preaching it in the Holy Spirit, with much assurance and the attitude of the servant. Let's just say a few words about each point. What does mean preaching the word? Our gospel did not come to you in word only, which means he gave them the word. It is the explanation of the gospel. It is our responsibility to make the gospel, the word of God, understood clear to you. We have to explain it. If you are a Sunday school servant, if you are father or mother in your house, it is your responsibility to explain the word of God, to communicate the word of God and explain it. This is how you preach the word of the gospel. In power. If your action is not consistent with your word, the word will lose its power. So, how you preach your word with power when your action actually is in consistency with your words. So when he said by power, 
he means we were living the word of God. We were not only preaching the word of God or explaining the word of God, but also we were living the word of God. That's why the word of God was powerful. Because you saw it in us. Not only you, hear, you heard it from us, but you saw it in us. In the Holy Spirit, what does it mean? When you preach, you have to get on your knees and ask the Holy Spirit actually to work in the words that you utter. So that it will not be your own words. You are not speaking from your own experience, but you are speaking the word of God as it should be. That is in the Holy Spirit, praying for the word of God. And with much assurance means what? Confidence, confirming the word of God. We trust that is the absolute truth. We are not doubting the word of God. Actually, that's what Satan started to do from the time of our mother Eve until today. Satan is casting doubt on the word of God. And until now, many people, actually some people who are teaching the Bible, who are teaching courses in biblical criticism, they are actually casting doubts on the word of God. But the true pastor, the true servant of the word, he should preach the word of God with assurance, with much assurance, with confidence that this is the absolute truth. If God said so, then it is so as he said. And finally, the attitude of the servant, the attitude of the servant himself. As you know, what kind of men were among you for your sake? Are you willing to endure for the word of God? Are you willing to suffer for the word of God? Are you willing to carry your cross in order to preach the word of God? Which attitude do you have when you preach the word of God? So actually, these are five elements very, very important when we preach the word of God. We explain the word of God. We live the word of God. We pray for the word of God. We confirm the word of God. And also, we endure for the word of God. That is the proper attitude for the word of God. Then, after he spoke about how they preached the word of God in verse 5, in verse 6, he explained how they received the word of God. How they received the word of God. He told them, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. So, they received the word of God with much affliction, but also with joy. Much affliction, that is actually the patience of hope. They endured for the word of God. What made them accept to endure the word for the word of God and to suffer for the word of God? Because it was confirmed to them as the word of God, not as word of men. Because there was testimony that this is the word of God, the absolute truth. Not only that, but because St. Paul prayed for grace and peace, so the peace of God and his grace made them joyful, bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, joy, while they are receiving the word of God in affliction. 
joy in the midst of affliction. So they received the word of God, the gospel, in affliction, but with joy. And what was the response? They became followers. Followers of Christ and of the apostles. Meaning what? They start to, to follow their footsteps. To follow the footsteps of the apostles and of Christ himself. Because the apostles are actually the image of Christ or the icon of the Christ in the church. That's why he told them, you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, but with joy of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not only they received with affliction, not only they bore the fruit of, of joy in their life, not only they became followers, but number four, they became what? Examples to other. Example to other. As he told them, so that you become examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. When you keep the word of God in your life, you apply it, you live by it, then you yourself will be example to others. You will be example to your family. You will be example to your to your friends. And here you are actually preaching the word of God by what? By example. You are the fifth gospel. You are the fifth gospel. I can see the word of God applied in, applied in your life. That's why in the divine liturgy, before we read the gospel, we read the synaxerium. What is synaxerium? It is the life application of the word of God how the saint of this day applied the word of God in his life. So, you are the fifth gospel. You are the gospel of God, the word of God. When you uh, keep it and live by it, you will be an example to other like the people in Thessaloniki. Verse 8, from verse 8 to 10, he speaks about their reputation in every place. He told them, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. So now everybody is speaking about what? About how the Thessalonians, how people in Thessaloniki, they are steadfast in the word of God. They kept the word of God. They endured much affliction and hardship, but with joy. They accepted to be killed and to be martyred for the word of God. This news actually sounded in Achaia, in, in, in Macedonia, and in every place. Every place they knew about them. So the other believers actually uh, testified for their faith, started to speak about the people in Thessaloniki. And also speaking about the people in Thessaloniki, they also spoke about what? the ministry of the apostles said you know the people in Thessaloniki P, um, uh, Saint Paul, Timothy and Sylvanus preached to them and that's why you know because they preached to them in faithfulness and preached the word of God in the proper way that's why it uh, carried the proper fruit that's what he said your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything we do not say, need to say anything your face speaks, actions speak louder. We are not in need to speak anything. For they themselves, the people in Achaia and in Macedonia and in every place, 
then the, themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you. What manner of entry we had to you. They are actually testifying about our ministry. How we preach the word of God, how we explain the word of God to you. How we lift the word of God, that's why it was powerful. How we prayed for the word of God, that, that's why it was in the Holy Spirit. How we confirm the word of God, that's why we give it to you with much assurance. How we endured with the word of God, that's why we preach it in the proper attitude. Declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you. And how you turn it to God from idols. Actually, St. Paul spoke about three things here. Number one, you turned to God from idols. Turn it to God from idols, this is what? This is the work of faith. They believed in God. And because they believed in God, they turned it to Him from idols. They start to forsake idol worshipping and worshipping God. That's the work of faith. Number two, to serve the living and true God. Serve here to worship. The worship is a sign of love. So to serve the living and true God, that is the labor of love. That is the labor of love. Number three, and to wait for his son from heaven. To wait for son from heaven, that's what? The patience of hope. So here St. Paul actually spoke about these three things. Work of faith, when they returned to God from idols. Labor of love, when they serve it and worship the true and living God. And they waited for the coming of the Son from heaven, that is what the patience of hope. Whom he raised, whom the Father raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. So, our faith is based on the truth of resurrection. As St. Paul said, if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then your faith is futile and our ministry is in vain. So, Christianity is based on this doctrine of resurrection. Because what does it mean that Jesus rose from the dead? It means that he will deliver us from the wrath to come. That's salvation. Because he rose from the dead and he gave us the inheritance of the kingdom of God, then he delivered us from the wrath to come. This actually, chapter 1, as I told you, it is introduction uh, to the church um, in Thessaloniki about how he uh, is praising God for their faith and uh, how they received the gospel and the reputation in every place. Before we start the, the, the Arabic session, do you have any question or comment on, on, on this chapter? طيب بسرعة نكلمكم على التفسير بالعربي في الإصحاح ده.